now your host, Caleb Ivy. gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome in to the Fantasy Brew Review. I am your host, Caleb Ivey. Thank you so much for joining in. This is a show where we talk fantasy football, we review some brews, and every once in a while we have an old-time radio show, which I'm sure you're probably wondering when that is going to happen again, since I talk about it every time. And the answer is soonish. I'm working on it. It'll happen when it happens. I'll let you know. But, as always, you can hear a rerun of the latest episode at the end of this show. This episode is actually coming out a day later than I intended it to. Yesterday, me, my wife, and our four-year-old, Ben, went to the fair, and the plan was to record an episode when I got home. And, well, a jumbo corn dog, two biscuits with syrup, fried chicken on a stick, and a funnel cake with ice cream later. That just wasn't happening. I looked like Violet Beauregard. Thought my wife was going to have to roll me to the car. Oh, but boy was it worth it. So worth it. But enough about me and my poor diet. Let's go ahead and jump in to the brew review. We are back this week with another ice cold beer. And this week we've got a still cut city oatmeal stout from Cahaba Brewing Company in Birmingham, Alabama. And First things first, I am all about a creative can. Luring me in with the coolness of your can design is half of the battle, and that is how I ended up with the Steel Cut City Oatmeal Stout from Cahaba Brewing Company. It's a grayish steel, I guess, colored can, and the can is a map of what I have to assume is Birmingham, Alabama. A pretty cool idea to put the map of the city you're based on on your can. I'm not sure if any other breweries do that or not. They may, but this is the first one I've seen. And the beer was pretty good, too. I may not be the biggest fan of just oatmeal flavor, but I knew that going into it when I got the beer. It's still good. It's a thicker beer, obviously. It's a stout. I can dig it. I always love breaking out the thicker darker beers when the weather starts cooling off a bit. I'm going to give it a 7.9 on the very official Fantasy Brew Review scale. Thanks, Cahaba Brewing. You are definitely on my list of breweries that I would like to visit soon. Let's get into some football. And coming up next, for your listening pleasure, the new sports craze that is sweeping the nation. American football. All right, this episode is going to be the very first Fantasy Brew Review mailbag episode. I've got a few questions from a couple of folks off of Twitter that I'm going to be taking a stab at. 
the first several, the well, the first four actually, are from at Molly Wingwald, and I thought they were good ones, so we're gonna do them all. Question number one is: When Jerry Judy comes back, is he an immediate starter, or do we wait a week? So Jerry Judy went down with a knee injury at the very beginning of the season, and it doesn't look like there's a super clear timetable for his return, but to me it appears it could be as soon as week 7, next week, or week 8. And I would like to wait a week before I throw Judy back into my lineup. You know, make sure they aren't easing him back and he's getting all of the snaps, he looks good, you know, all of that jazz. He's a very good player, and I was certainly in on the breakout coming into the season, but he hasn't really warranted that Devontae Adams fantasy superstar who must be in your lineup when active treatment just yet. Now, all of that being said, next week, week 7, is a bipocalypse of epic proportions. There are six teams on bye next week and most of them are very fantasy-relevant teams. There are the Bills, Chargers, Cowboys, Jaguars, Steelers, and Vikings. So, if Judy does come back next week, you may not have an option but to play him depending on your roster. But if I have another good option, I would give Judy a week. Alright, next question. Question number two from at Molly Wingwald. Will Gainwell surpass Sanders this week versus the Bucks? And this is referring to Eagles running backs Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders. Now, obviously, that game has already been played, so the answer to that is an easy no. But I still wanted to bring it up just to discuss that running back situation going forward. As someone who has Gainwell in a few leagues, I was hoping for him to start eating into that Sanders workload. And I'm about ready to move on from Gainwell. I'm not sure that it's going to happen. Gainwell saw 30-40% to 40% of offensive snaps through the first four weeks. Now in weeks five and six, that's been trending in the wrong direction. He's seen a 24-23% and 23% snap share the past two weeks. And the even bigger problem, outside of him not seeing the snaps, is the Philadelphia Eagles just are not running the ball with the running back. So, neither running back is relevant right now. Sanders has actually looked pretty good with the little bit of work that he's gotten. It just hasn't been enough work to produce a fantasy-relevant back. So, I don't mind if you just really want to hang on to Gainwell and see if the Eagles figure out that they need to run the ball more. But for me, with buys coming up, I'm about to be cutting ties with Gainwell in a few leagues. Next question. Will Bateman usurp Hollywood? And this one is referring to Rashad Bateman and Marquise Hollywood Brown. And the answer for me on this one is, again, no. And again, this is from someone who drafted and stashed a good bit of Rashad Bateman. However, I'll say in his case, I've already cut ties in some places where I had to. Bateman was a solid stash earlier in the year because he has the traits of a true wide receiver one. Hollywood had a nice little stretch of games to end the year last year, but he had also shown a lot of stinkers, and it wasn't clear whether or not he could truly be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. 
Well, he's currently sitting as the wide receiver 6 in half PPR. I think he's established that he can get it done. Now, I'm not saying that Bateman will be irrelevant, or even that he can't work his way into more of an even timeshare with Hollywood, or maybe even the one down the road. But I just don't see it this year. Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown have built up an incredibly strong rapport through the first five weeks, and I think that matters. I don't see why Lamar would turn his back on something that's been working so well thus far in the season. And I know we've been spoiled with rookie wide receivers bawling out over the past few years, but I think a rookie having to jump in and learn on the fly a quarter of the way through the season is a tad bit different. Not only does he have to get back up to speed physically, he also just has to learn the NFL from the standpoint of being a rookie. So, unfortunately, I don't see Bateman being too relevant for fantasy his first several weeks of being active. And next question. Will Herbert pass Williams this week on the Bears? And this one is referring to running backs Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams. Now, obviously, this is one that has already worked itself out as well, at least for this week, with Damian Williams being placed on the COVID list. I will say my answer before that happened would have been no. I thought Damian was the lead guy, and I think he's a solid running back, so I didn't see him losing that job. However, a huge opportunity has now landed in Khalil Herbert's lap, and there's really nothing Damian Williams can do about it. If Herbert goes out there this week and just absolutely balls out, I could see him flipping the script and maybe being the lead guy. But either way... I still think it's a split backfield until Montgomery gets back. It's just a matter of who gets more of the work. Herbert is one guy that I will be watching very closely this week. Alright, let's move on to the final question. This one comes in from my good buddy, at Stu Falls on Twitter, and also part of the Fantasy Brew Review Listeners League. What kind of numbers will Josh Gordon need to put up before you tell us to add him on waivers? And if I know one thing about Stu, it's that Stu loves him some Josh Gordon. Or, honestly, really any player that was at one point relevant and is no longer relevant. He's just a fan of, of relics, antiques, good old-fashioned old stuff. No, I'm kidding. Look, I don't hate Josh Gordon by any means. I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's back in the NFL. He's a fun guy to root for. Now, I'm not picking him up in any of my leagues, mainly because I play in a lot of leagues with Stu, and he's already picked him up, but also because I don't really see a path for him to be relevant, because the Chiefs have not produced a fantasy-relevant pass catcher outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, in a very, very long time. Those two are so talented and demand so many targets that there just isn't room for anyone else in that offense. And at this point in Josh Gordon's career, with as long as he's been off of the football field, I kind of doubt he's any better talent-wise than Sammy Watkins was with the Chiefs. 
and he was also irrelevant outside of the first game of the season. So, will Josh Gordon have relevant games? Maybe. But even if it happens, you will never be able to predict it. It will come in the same sporadic way that Mikkel Hardman and Demarcus Robinson have fantasy-relevant games. So, that is my opinion on Josh Gordon. The actual question was what numbers would he have to put up for me to recommend him. And I would say, if he looks good, if he looks like, you know, maybe not vintage Josh Gordon, but, you know, three-fourths of that, solid Josh Gordon, and he starts getting around five to six targets a game in the Chiefs' offense, I would be interested. I mean, look, if you have a solid roster and deeper benches and you really want to pick him up, go for it. There's never anything wrong with speculative ads. Just don't be so attached that you can't cut them when they don't pan out. Because the truth is, most of them don't. And that is going to be it for me on the very first Fantasy Brew Review Mailbag episode. Thank you so much for joining in. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a huge favor and leave a review. Maybe tell some folks about the show as well. If you have any questions for the show or would like to recommend some beer or coffee to be reviewed, you can hit me up on Twitter at the FF Brew Review. Review spelled R-E-V-U-E, just to complicate things. Or you can recommend brews at fantasybrewreview.com. Hang around for a few more minutes to hear the latest episode of Dr. Adot and the Fantasy Quest, if you haven't already. And enjoy the rest of your day. Dr. Anthony Dot, or Dr. Adot, as he was known by his peers, had once been a happy man, beloved by his family, friends, and co-workers for his winning smile and adventurous disposition. That is, until a dark and gloomy night in early January. The very thing that kept him going. His most prized possession, his life's work and purpose for his very existence, was stolen right out from under his nose. His fantasy title. Over the next several years, Dr. Adot spent the vast majority of his time in his lab, pouring all of his time and energy into building the perfect fantasy lineup. And that is where we find our protagonist now. It is 3 a.m. on a stormy night. Dr. Adot is alone in his lab, as he usually is, toiling over past failed experiments and strategies. strategy? No. Late round quarterback? No. No. Mind control? No. What is it? What is the secret? They would just assume everyone believed this was some random game of chance. Ridiculous. There is a perfect strategy, and I am going to find it. 
guess they're right. Maybe I am the one who is playing the fool. Dr. Adot sat at his desk, head in his hands, contemplating his retirement from the game of fantasy football, contemplating bringing his years of research to a screeching halt, and abandoning all hope. He stood up and walked over to a filing cabinet, and opened one of the many drawers labeled Very Important Fantasy Football Files, took out the contents, and dropped them into a waste bin. Dr. Adot then reached into his lab coat and pulled out a large pack of matches. He lit one. With a tear in his eye, he went to drop the match into the waste bin. Well, I suppose this is the end of the line. Just in that moment, the whooshing sound of paper came from under his lab door. He blew out the match and walked slowly towards the door, picking up a manila envelope and reading what was written on it aloud. The key to your lineups lies in the past. You have until sunrise, so you better act fast. Another great mind has found the answers you seek. An adventure awaits, but it is not for the meek. You hold in your hand one answer of hope. Here are your hints. Bronze, silver, and gold. What in the world does any of this mean? Dr. Adot reached into the envelope and pulled out two more pieces of paper. One was a small piece of paper, torn from a notepad. The only things written on it were a down arrow and the letter B. The other paper that he pulled from the envelope was a piece of parchment that was blank. It looked old. Very, very old. Dr. Adot placed the clues on his desk and went to make another pot of coffee. It was going to be a long night. Tune in to the Fantasy Brew Review to follow along with Dr. Adot and his quest to build the perfect fantasy lineup.